be doing a little bit of furniture removing from time to time, as is my want. Yeah, thank you, band, for amazing choice of, so of songs. And that last one, um, I've not heard that before, I don't think, but uh, very, very beautiful. Uh, I loved it. Thank you so much. Um, well, uh, we are in a series of Relationships Matter, God's Desire for a Community of Believers. And that, uh, that really but does burn strong in me, the desire for a community of believers that's for God. And uh, it's our call to shine. Ben's listed a series that they're working through, and um, I volunteered to take this one, because some of the others were much more difficult. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that's me there. Um, we've done those two slides, which is great. And now we're into our call to shine. Um, I love the book of uh, Ephesians. Um, I've been living in it for months, and it's just so rich in terms of describing for us what are we meant to look like, what are we meant to be as a church. And um, I've, for a long time, been very passionate for us to get um, a high view of what the church is. The church gets knocked for so many reasons, and some of them are very understandable. Um, but we need to focus on what's God's intention, what's he working towards, uh, what are we really part of. So that's one of the things I want to get across today. So um, just to underline for you that we are basing our talks in Ephesians, most of the references, the Bible references here, will be from the, that letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. So um, I'm uh, unashamedly going to give you some scripture, but I'm not going to talk a lot about it. I'm going to let the scriptures speak for themselves because I want to give time for testimonies at the end, and we have three people lined up to do that. Um, so let's start here um, with Paul's declaration. He says, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And we've been singing about that, and we've been celebrating that in the communion. That's the basis for our right standing with God, isn't it? Nothing else. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to your cross I cling. So it's that blood of Jesus and our trust in his blood to uh, secure our forgiveness before a holy God that puts us right with him. And it's just important to under, underline that. There's nothing else. We cannot become good enough. Uh, there is no penance that we can do, no ceremonies that we can perform. It's believing in the blood of Jesus, the all-sufficiency for our forgiveness. And as a consequence of receiving that, of appropriating that, making it our own, standing on it, Paul's able to say, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. Fellow citizens. In other words, you could say, you belong. Now you belong. You belong with the saints and members of the household of God. This is not just a Jewish sect. This is a worldwide movement, and you've been included. You Gentiles who knew nothing of the promises. Uh, you have been brought near. You belong. And it's been built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, and David Watt did a great job 
of sharing with us about the importance of prophets and the apostles. And uh, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. I hope nobody's offended by the red uh, writing. I used to get told off that that was offensive if you wrote in red, but um, I just wanted to do that to emphasize and highlight uh, those words. And Paul in this letter, and often in his letters, he describes the church either as a body or a building, and he switches from one to the other quite comfortably because there's no imagery sufficient to be able to describe all that we want to describe. But um, here he's talking about the church as a building, being fitted together and growing. It's a dynamic thing, uh, a living thing. And what is, and I'm sure that we're in the back of Paul's minds when he talks about a building uh, being a dwelling place for God, he's thinking probably about the temple. That was the place where you met with God. That's where, when it was dedicated, the presence of God came down in such a thick, tangible manner that people just couldn't do anything. It was overwhelming, the presence of God. And the, the amazing thing, the revelation that we need to pray for and ask God to give us is that we're being built into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. What we're about is finding that, that God himself presents himself amongst us. So Paul goes on to pray in Ephesians 3, as we have it, that he's praying that he, God would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I'm sure I've said it before, this is just an overwhelming thing. Just pause and reflect on that for a moment. Paul is praying that we individually and collectively may be filled with all the fullness of God. And if you think of the uh, dedication of the temple and God's presence coming down in such a thick manner that people just couldn't do anything but just prostrate themselves. That is what we are meant to look like. That is a high calling. And Paul suggests that this is our goal and we need to strive for this. And it's a realistic, realizable goal, and it will be fulfilled when Christ returns. But we are receiving a foretaste of it, and we are to grow increasingly into that fullness. So the big question is, how do we cooperate with the Holy Spirit to make this an increasing reality in our experiences, that we may be filled with the fullness of God? One, going through this, um, this letter uh, in Ephesians uh, 4 and 5, I've just distilled because Paul goes into great detail and he jumps around a little bit, but I've kind of tidied it up into three uh, main points. He's talking about uh, unity or oneness, 
Keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, he says in Ephesians 4, 1 to 6. Um, Then he adds purity, put off, be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. We need to pursue righteousness and holiness in our own lives. And uh, the third thing I've pulled out of the, uh, the letter is speaking. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks. So I would suggest you from looking at Paul's letter there, those three things come to the surface. Unity, purity, and our speaking Okay, let's go into a little bit more depth on these things. Unity or oneness. And this is a given. Uh, This is a statement of fact that Paul suggests to us. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is above all and through all and in you all. The unmistakable word there is one, unity, oneness. And he's saying, from that oneness, um, uh, we are one with God, the Father of all, who is above all, through all, and get this, in all of you, in all. God is in all of us. So we are carriers, we are kind of like mini temples of the Holy Spirit. In fact, when Paul has to correct uh, misconduct in the Corinthians church, he says, don't you know that you are temples of the Holy Spirit, of your temples of the living God? So uh, what goes on in our inner being is very important. Our soul is very important and how we look after and nurture nurture our soul. So that's a given uh, that we are one it's a statement of fact. Um, when it comes to thoughts about unity and church unity, it's not something you strive for. It exists. You just have to let it, uh, let it shine. Let it shine. But there are gifts in our oneness, and uh, that's where in Ephesians 4, verse 11, you get this. Each one is grace is given, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, Uh, Dave spoke about apostles and prophets. Last week, Ben talked about evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But as he mentioned in Romans 12, there's a fuller list. Uh, It's not exhaustive. Um, So there are gifts of administration uh, that Ben mentioned. But each and every one of us has gifts um, to be employed um, to bring uh, honor and glory to God. Each one of us has a gift. Um, so the question is, I guess, you know, what, what are your gifts? Have you discovered your unique gifts and how that you can nurture um, and enhance those gifts um, for um, the, their full realization in your own life, but also be able to contribute to the community of God's people? And there's growth uh, under this se- section of oneness. And this equipping for ministry, uh, for edifying of the body, unity of the faith to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of fullness of Christ. Um, 
I like asking the question, why? And uh, as the grandchildren get older, I'm sure they'll start saying, why, why? And it's sometimes good to ask the question because we can uh, miss some of the depth. So let's put in a question. For equipping for ministry, why be equipped for ministry? Well, for the edifying of the body. Well, what's the edifying of the body for? Well, it's so that we can come to a greater unity of faith, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There's that word fullness again. It's all about growing up and becoming more like Christ individually. And as we share our gifts one with another, collectively, we reflect his life more fully. Purity is the third one, uh, second one we mentioned. Uh, and in Ephesians 4, 7, 17, Paul talks about putting off. And he gives a list of behaviors which can be summed up in these words. Wrong thinking, wrong speaking, bad behavior, particularly in regard to finance, sex, and relating to others. He says, in contrast, put on the new man created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Look for righteousness and holiness in your own life. Don't uh, mess about with grubby things that's going to stop your enjoyment and experience of the presence of God in your temple. And he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God in whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Rather, be imitators of God as dear children. We need to constantly be aware that the Holy Spirit living in us is a person. And if we grieve him, if we are deliberately um, sinful in our behaviors, we're, we're lax, he's grieved. And he will step aside and wait for us to confess, repent, and be restored to him. And that's uh, touching on the secret of our life shining, is recognizing that God's light is within us. Speaking is the third area. Uh, in Ephesians 5, I hope you're seeing the progression through Ephesians. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks. I did pause to think about how, do, how would it work if we were singing to one another in psalms and hymns. Um, my voice might not bless you too much, but uh, a lot of ladies would love to be serenaded by their husbands, partners, whatever. Um, but I, I, I interpret this to mean in practical application, speak positively to one another, encourage one another, say what you did then was fantastic, you know, is this your gifting? Would you, how can you use this more? There's very positive ways in which we can encourage one another. And I was, um, this was a little revelatory moment in my shed. When the disciples were filled with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, they spoke with tongues in the upper room, secure, safe, on their own. But they must have been thrust out of that room and into a public place because it was the, uh, the account tells us that a multitude heard and responded saying, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. When the Holy Spirit first came, it wasn't just for a 
a wonderful experience. It was to thrust them out into the marketplace and speak words that were understood by those who came from different countries. Because, of course, Pentecost was a celebration and Jews came from all different places and had different basic languages. But they were gathered for that festival, uh, one of the many festivals that we mentioned earlier, uh, of uh, Pentecost, the celebration of giving of the law. Um, and at that time, grace meant the Spirit was poured out and they heard the, uh, the disciples speaking in tongues that they didn't understand, but the nations understood. And they themselves said, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Wouldn't it be wonderful for people coming amongst our, into our midst saying, wow, this is, you're sharing with me the wonderful works of God. It's amazing. Can I know this God? How do I know this God? What must I do to be saved? And I, I want to emphasize the speaking because um, sometimes uh, we, we get trotted out this phrase um, that was this quotation, you know, uh, preach the gospel by all means and if necessary use words. We can use that as an excuse to cover up our fears of not sharing the gospel verbally with other people. So if we're wonderfully nice people, people will just think, oh, they're nice people, aren't they? They won't know why we're nice people. Because I once wasn't a nice person, but now, because God has rescued me and saved me and cleaned me up, I'm a better person because I'm allowing God's light to shine in me. And uh, finally, and uh, it emphasizes that always be ready to give a defense uh, to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you, says 1 Peter chapter 3. And if you're giving a defense, that means you have to use words, you have to speak. Uh, so we've got to tackle this head on, our fear of, um, of speaking about Jesus. Amen. And it is, there's no way around it. You just have to say, I'm going to face this fear and I'm going to speak regardless. And um, yeah. Now then, this is where I start to move some furniture because um, one of Ben's suggestions was, was um, uh, Matthew 5 and it's, it, it's, a great, it's a great verse. Jesus said, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And uh, if you're familiar with the Bibles, you'll, you'll recognize that there is another verse that talks about light. In this verse, it says, you are the light. That's us, the disciples. But then Jesus in John 8 says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. How do we reconcile those two verses? I would suggest to you that uh, the key is in the, uh, the John 8 verse, I am the light of, word of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I would suggest to you that Jesus is the light, and if we're walking with him, his light is in us. His light is in us. That's part, another way of saying that God is present in our lives. 
So here comes the, uh, the illustration. Here's a light, came from Nazareth. It's a little clay thing with a little wick. You're supposed to put oil in there and then light the wick and it gives a light. It's quite a small light. So I went to John Lewis and got a bigger light. Ta-da! So this is called the Vermont. I knew you'd like that. I knew you'd like that. The Vermont LED Lantern. Okay, so here's the light. Oh, can, I, can I have a couple of curtains pulled? Is that all right? Just, just to try and give more of an effect. I think you know what's coming anyway. Oh, it works, it works. So here's the light. And uh, instead of having a little pressure thing there that looks like a pressure thing, it's just a light. And it gets quite bright, actually. Ooh. Okay. So. So Jesus said, you know, you are the light of the world. Um, and you don't um, light a lamp and then put a bucket over it. That's pretty useless. But... You put it on a stand, that means holding it up so that it gives light um, to all the room. And uh, I would suggest to you, we are a light. The light is, like, like unity, it's already there because of God's presence in our lives. So we don't have to kind of work up unity, it exists and you have to maintain it by your right behaviours and attitudes. And... Um, I would suggest to you that the light is in us already. We don't have to work it up and try chasing it and getting it in. The light is already in. But there are things that can hinder that light being shown. So, I've... No light, is there? No light. Well, yes, there is. The light's shining. It's just that it's hidden. Are you getting it? I mean, the light is in us, but it can be hidden. And this is where I think is the thrust of what I wanted to share and why I wanted to leave time for testimonies, really, because I think for us the issue is how do we um, remove the hindrances from our light shining or the light of Jesus in us shining. I have to say it, persistent sin is an issue. And uh, there's nothing that will cover up the, the light than the darkness of deliberately um, pursuing sin. Now, there is a whole range, a scale of sins in our lives. And for us, we need to just ask God from time to time, 
Is there any sin in me that I'm not confessing? Is there anything that I'm hanging on to, an attitude, a behavior, a, co- a habit, an addiction perhaps, that I need to let go of in order for your light to shine? Faulty beliefs, I would suggest, are a covering that will diminish the light from being uh, seen in our lives. And here I'm thinking very much about faulty beliefs about our identity, who we are. And uh, a lot of the stuff about faulty beliefs come about through experiences that we've had, wounds we've experienced, words that have been expressed to us. And we believe that, particularly in our pre-adult years, when we're so vulnerable, when we're such sponges, that we receive and soak up things that are said and done to us, and we take on beliefs out of those. It's amazing to think that how people can be used and abused and then somehow think it's their fault or they were responsible in some way. So uh, faulty beliefs um, can seriously impact our light shining. Because if we have a very uh, low view of ourselves and, uh, well, I'm not any good, Uh, I'll never be any good, I've got no gifts, Um, that's a very crippling thing to experience and we need to be set free from those things so that light can shine in us and we can bless one another in the body. The other thing is fears. Let's pick up on fear in the, in the realm of speaking. I'm too afraid to speak about Christ to any of my friends or neighbors because they might not like me anymore and they might not speak to any of me anymore. They may turn the shoulder and, uh, and walk away. I won't get invited. Fears, but there may be other fears. And then disconnection. Sometimes we can come, become disconnected from Christ and the life of Christ just um, through neglect. Just through neglect. We just wander off. Um, it's interesting, this, this concept of sheep, isn't it? You know, sometimes they just wander off. And then the shepherd has to go and uh, find them and uh, restore them, bring them back into the fold. We can easily get distracted in our lives. And sometimes that will lead us into disconnection. There's a very sobering uh, verse. I didn't, uh, didn't find it, but in one of Paul's letters, he says about, uh, in a list of people he's talking about, he says, this person who becoming disconnected from the head has made shipwreck of his faith. Something like that. Disconnected from the head. They got lost. So, um, this is where I think it's so important that we... Uh, do talk about things like healing and inner healing, healing of wounds, uh, looking after your soul, all these different expressions that talk about um, how uh, we um, look after ourselves in such a way that we are, we are, we are, um, are unable to shine. So um, it was great when Sally did a, a morning seminar um, the end of September, there were 37 people came. Now, 
I think that was a significant act of God to move in the hearts of 37 people uh, to come to a seminar to learn about these things and to be equipped to help others uh, become free um, to let their light shine as well. 37 people came along and um, uh, Sally felt that, um, and I agree with her, that there are more things to talk about. Um, So we will be having um, another session uh, at the end of November, 24th of November in the morning. We'll get this put in in the news sheet. Um, So if you want to explore this area further and you uh, weren't uh, there uh, at the end of September, uh, you're free to come along. It doesn't mean, because you missed that one, this won't help you, it will. Um, And um, if you came in the first session, one of those 37, I guess you're going to be first on the list um, to sign up to come because you will already know how valuable it's been. So... um, Three, three people have very kindly um, offered to, or been, yes, been asked and graciously agreed uh, to give a little testimony about what um, that uh, Freedom and Liberty seminar did for them. Um, so, uh, can I just change the order a little bit? Um, Daniel, would you like to come and share? One of, one of the things that, whilst he's coming up, one of the things that I, I was so pleased about was... Um, we had three people under 18 coming with their parents, just uh, that's, that's so good. Uh, and we had about 11 men, so that was a good proportion. Um, so we were quite well represented. So just share with us, uh, Daniel, what, uh, what the, the morning meant for you. Yeah. I'll get him to come up, because he's only a short lad, and um, <laughs> you might not see him from the floor. For those of you that don't know, Sally goes out into lots of different countries and helps to share the word of God. And she came to us on this Saturday and she taught us ways to help our light shine by getting rid of the persistent sin that you talked about earlier. It was very helpful because she gave us a method that we could use, uh, that she'd used as well. We see her as someone who knows how to do this, and if she's given us the method, then, well, for me, it makes me think that it's going to be a good method. (laughs) And it was. (laughs) Should I share the method? Thank you. Uh, one of the exciting things is, uh, that I've noticed in this church is that more and more young people um, are getting involved and that there is a, a recognition um, that um, you don't have to be adult uh, to pray for people. Um, and it wasn't it great when the children came down um, to pray for anybody? I, I, I didn't need prayer for physical healing, but I was there because I wanted them to pray for me that uh, my sensitivity to God would go up a level and that I'd be more sensitive to being prompted by him. Uh, there's a good side to that and there's a downside to that because if you, uh, if you say something unkind, chances are the Holy Spirit's going to say, oops, 
you've got to apologize for that. So um, there you go, a little personal testimony. Um, Stephen, would you like to just share with us a little bit? It's great that young people um, are being exposed to the teaching uh, because they're going to be equipped um, to deal with issues before they get a, um, a, a depth of um, root in them. Hi, I have my phone with notes on. That's the only reason why. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say, firstly, thanks for um, being asked to share something personal during a talk entitled Our Call to Shine is quite a humbling thing to be asked, um, especially as someone who's still got a lot to learn and, and quite easily turns to worldly comforts. So I'm here as, as I am. Um, I became a Christian at the age of 21, which meant I brought a lot of worldly sin with me in my life and into my relationship with Jesus, uh, some of which he dealt with straight away, and some of which he highlighted as my faith sort of developed and I matured. And Sally spoke about the healing technique around shutting doors and bolting them shut with the name of Jesus, and it was kind of in this area that I was responding to. So one of my sins that had become highlighted as I grew in my faith became quite a challenge for me to shake off. It was persistent sin categorized as, as that uh, and over the years God had really helped me work towards dealing with the sin um, but I was never able to say it was healed my my door was half closed I kind of illustrated it as um, <clears throat> but that in the story itself is an absolute miracle and a story for another day and the fact that it was half closed in the first place um, so Sally, as, as um, we said, Daniel said, gave us a prayer and an opportunity to pray for Jesus to shut the doors and bolt them shut. Uh, and I, I said this prayer with this sin in mind, and I felt God's presence, God's presence was definitely in that room. I felt God move, I felt my door shut further, but I knew it was still open, I knew that it was still a gap. And then I felt God speak to me, and uh, he was quite clear in just saying, you need to pray this out loud. And my heart sank. <laughs> and my heart started racing at the same time as sinking. Um, <clears throat> and I knew this sin had a strong hold on me. It was persistent, to say the very least. Um, and I knew that there's power in saying it out loud, in, in bringing it into the open and removing that sort of, again, what I knew already, the secretive sort of crippling grasp that the devil can do with these things and just really hammer them over you. Um, and I know that praying to myself is one thing, and that got me so far, and saying it quietly out loud, I tried in the room and it was helpful, but that's not quite the same as publicly declaring it in front of 37 people you hadn't really just started to get to know. <laughs> um, so that was me, and I was in the position that I'm sure anyone who genuinely loves Jesus finds themselves in. The instruction was clear, yet the willingness to obey was terrifying. Um, and I knew I had to push through that fear, <coughs> but really didn't want to. So I was arguing around in my head, as you do. And then Sally asked, is everyone okay? Sort of very genuinely, just to the room. And my mind, I just thought, no, I'm not okay. I, um, this is horrible. <laughs> so I forced myself just to cross the line of, of no return, really. And I, I just put up my hand, because I knew once I'd done that, I'd get the attention and I'd have to say something. And there was no going back at that point. And, and from that point onwards, it was really easy, which again, I also knew it would be. You know, explaining it, talking about it, it's a sin I've shared with other people in my life and had accountability for, so that was no problem. It was putting your hand up in the first place. So we said the prayer. God felt like he moved. Immediately following that, a few people shared some words for me. And for both those people who are here, they have, those words were a massive help in the sort of days and weeks following. So thank you for them. 
Um, and God healed it. Um, God shut the, Jesus shut the door and bolted it. Um, and I've been, as a result, I've been able to operate differently as a person. Um, it's created a genuine freedom, which I'm, I'm still cautious to accept. And I still don't quite believe it. Um, I still feel like there is a door there. <laughs> but it's genuinely shut. And it, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And what's important is um, just taking that step when you feel God call. I kind of wanted to add this. Um, despite all human instincts and the devil screaming no, uh, we have the opportunity to serve and obey God. And he'll bless you ten times over with the results. Um, and if, again, I have to say this, if this really is real, if this Jesus thing makes any difference at all, it's the biggest difference we could ever comprehend. Um, and we're called to serve and obey, and as far as I'm concerned, all I did on that day was just obey for a change. Um, <laughs> but he moved. And then, last little bit, walking here this morning, I felt God say that people will feel God prod and probe them a bit as we share stories today and, and from what um, Paul's sharing. And then Sue has given me permission to say this without realising it. Um, but if there is anyone today who feels challenged in these sort of ways with these things, um, and it could be something that's been said, it could be something that gets your heart going a bit, that makes you feel something, or even, you know, angry. Um, I invite you, as Sue said, the prayer ministry is out to, um, at the end of this, and I'm around as well, so I'd, in, I'd invite you to respond to anything that could come from this, um, and seek God, come find him, he loves you a lot. Thank you, stay here. Stay here. <laughs> Let's just pray for Stephen. Father, we thank you that you've made Stephen your son. I thank you, Father, for uh, the warmth of your embrace for him right now. So just uh, feel you saying to him, you're well pleased. You're well pleased, Father, well pleased with you, Stephen, for sharing your personal um, situation and the freedom that you've come into. So, Father, I just ask that you fill him afresh with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Grant him revelation, deeper revelation of who he is in you and all that you have for him. Father, thank you for him and his wife, his children. Bless them all as your uh, little nuclear family, Lord. May they know your grace and peace on their lives. And uh, Lord, thank you for Stephen. Thank you for bringing him amongst us. Make, thank you that he belongs here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Stephen. God bless. And Devinda's going to share something too. That's quite all right. We're in, we're in no rush. First thing to say, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the principalities, the powers and the stuff that's in the heavenlies. And we forget that at our peril. It's a little bit like um, driving along and texting at the same time. We're not really looking at what's important. And it can be fatal. Um, in the spiritual sense, eternally fatal. Um, so in the time running up to the seminar that Sally did, the Lord was speaking to me about some stuff and so the timing was me for very interesting was very interesting to me i was i was driving along and i was listening to a song um and it was a song that's perfectly harmless really um 
but it spoke to me, it reminded me that because of family circumstances, I had absorbed messages through music that were not good. This particular song was um, one that most of you probably know. It's an Eagles song, and the lyric was, your prison is walking through this world all alone. And I absorbed that as a truth for my life. Um, and sitting in the seminar with Sally, somebody mentioned music as a potential door that could be open um, and mentioned a song, another song, um, which probably most of you know, Simon and Garfunkel. I'm a rock, I'm an island, nobody touches me, I don't touch anybody. Again, the isolation. So I thought, oh, Lord, I thought I dealt with this already, but you've brought it up again, so let me pray. And um, I prayed according to the stuff that Sally was saying. Um, and I said, Lord, I don't really want to have to remember every single thing ever, so can you just touch the root and wither the lot? Um, so that's what I prayed. Um, in the time after that, um, in the next day or so, the Lord reminded me of a tiny, tiny little incident that happened when I was about five. And I suddenly woke up to the fact that that incident, not only did it feed into this whole music impact thing, but actually it had a huge impact on the way that I had lived and thought. And I hadn't even known it. I'm 56 years old. I have been a Christian for virtually 30 years almost to, you know, to the week. But I did not see this thing in my life that had had a huge impact. I just didn't see it. And Sally had said something similar in her talk about how um, as a young adult she'd, come, she'd suddenly realized there was stuff in her life that completely astonished her having been brought up as a Christian um, in a good, strong Christian home. She just hadn't seen stuff and had to deal with issues. And it was exactly the same thing. I sat there completely gobsmacked thinking, Lord, how did I just not see this? So I prayed and I went through the process that Sally um, had talked us through. And yes, Daniel's dead right. It's a good process. Um, and I said, okay then, Lord, shut the door like um, Sally talks about it shut the door and show me the door shutting as she has um, said that she's done with other people. The physical, the door is shutting vision. Um, well, the Lord didn't do that. <laughs> uh, what he did was he showed me a little bit like, um, you know, when you have a projector and there's a point of light and the light projects from the projector. Um, so he took me back to this tiny little incident when I was about five years old and it was like that projector beam. And instead of extinguishing the light from the end backwards, he went right to the point where the light had started, this projector beam thing. And I, I watched it extinguish. The whole lot just drifted on and extinguished till there was nothing of it left. And he just dealt with it. And there are two things to do with that. Sorry. No, carry yeah. on. No. There are two things to do with that. One is that he showed me that it was completely gone. There was absolutely no trace remaining. Um, well, three things, actually. The second is 
that I had prayed previously, Lord, go to the root and wither the whole lot so I don't have to think about it again. And that's exactly what he did. He went to the source and he removed all of it, beginning and onwards to now. It's all gone. And um, the third thing is, I have quite a vivid imagination. So, therefore, if the Lord had shown me a door closing and bolting, um, the devil could have come back to me and said, actually, you imagined that. It wasn't true. You just think you saw it, the door's still open. Well, the fact that the, God did it in, that the Lord did it in a completely different way than what I asked him to, um, and showed it me in a different way that, than I asked him to, I should say, means that there is no way, no how, ever, the devil can come to me and say, actually, it's not over, because the Lord showed it. And <laughs> let me just say one more thing, um, and it's this. Um, the big sins we can see and we deal with, and we know we need to deal with them. Um, in most of our lives, we don't live in a way that is depraved, degraded, mired in sin. We live perfectly ordinary lives for the most part. And it's easy for us to miss the danger of the little thing that needs sorting out. The stuff that is big, we're on our guard against. We can see it. This incident was tiny. It was 50 years ago. Um, and it meant nothing in the bigger scheme, but it had a huge impact. And I, and I think often we just need to be aware that only the Holy Spirit knows where, where those points are which have had impacts and caused things. And the only way we're going to know them is if we keep close and say, Lord, show me, is there anything? And let him do the showing. Thank you. Stay here. Please, please, please. No, it's perfect. Father, just thank you for Devinda. I thank you for the light that you shined in her, into her life and for the healing that you brought, the freedom that you've given her. Father, I pray your blessing upon her. May she know your, your grace, your peace, your love, your power in her life, Lord, continually. Lord, thank you for her witness to you to bring honor and glory to your name. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you very much. In conclusion, in, connection, in connecting with, our, with protecting ourselves against false teaching, Paul says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Each part of us, each one of us, needs to work properly in order that we may grow up into this fullness of life that Christ has for us. Um, it does make a difference. The health of the whole is impacted by the health of the individual. So you owe it to yourself and you owe it to everybody else um, to push in 
to that uh, healing and wholeness that God wants to bring to us. So for each one of you who happen to be here today, you're here because God wanted you to be here. You belong, you are gifted, you are needed. Don't allow yourself to be robbed uh, because you and we will be the poorer and the light will be dimmer. Uh, In conclusion, if you would like um, to be prayed for or you'd like to share any issues that you would like to share um, and be prayed for, then the team will be here. And uh, it's a great thing to come into freedom. It's amazing what God can do in our lives. Thank you.